Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. To all their flesh. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. And we're talking about issues of the heart tonight. We pray together, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for you. Thank you for this time together. And I ask you now, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word and you would encourage us and you would grow us and you would mature us and you would help us, Lord. And and we ask you now that we would not just be hearers of this word, but we'll be doers of this word also, that we would mix it with faith, that you would touch us and that you would heal us. I pray it now in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. And you may be seated for a few moments. Amen. Over the last couple weeks, I've talked about issues of the heart, and I want to go back and summarize just a little bit so I can bring everybody up to speed in the house tonight, and then uh, I want to finalize some things tonight because I'm going to help us with what we need to do to take control of our heart, and uh, when I say take control of it, I think over the last couple of of weeks, I've I've made it very clear that um, your heart is exceedingly wicked and wants to do its own thing. And you should not follow your heart. Um, and, and I got some scriptures on that, and I will read some of those in just a second again. Um, but when we talk about the heart of man, and you can turn me down just a little bit because I'm, I'm hot, and I'm, you can turn these monitors completely off if you'd like. I don't, I don't need them with the, with the cool. Um, when we talk about the heart of man, we're not talking about this muscle in our chest that's beating and pumping blood, not this valve that we have that we call the heart. When, when the Bible talks about the heart, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might, it's breaking us down into three components of who we are as a being, that we know that our might is our physical body, and we know that the soul, the soul is that thing that God saved on the cross with his blood, and the soul is what shall live forever. The soul of man, your soul, will never die. It will live somewhere. There's no such thing as YOLO. You only live once. It's, it's, it's more like you only live forever. You're never going to die. That soul of man will never die. It will live an eternity somewhere, whether it be heaven or whether it be hell, whether it be in the express presence of God or the express void of God, it will live forever. Now, there's the third part is the heart, the mind, the consciousness of man. We are human beings having a human experience. We're, we're, we're living life. You are, you are biology, you are mechanics, you are electricity, not if I started going down through the dynamics of really what the body is, the body is a lot of things. Your body is electric, and your body is water, and your body is intricate details. And you have within you the physicality that 
would put any computer on this planet to shame. We, our physicality is unbelievable. The minute detail that God took when he created mankind is hard to fathom. Science is just now learning, really, how intricate man really is. Where we're, we learned about the majors of the body, but, but now we're entering into a time of understanding that we're now entering into the minute details of the body and, and, and the mitochondria and, and the, all, all of the, the, the gut health and, and how more melatonin is made in your gut. Matter of fact, by over millions of times, more melatonin is made in your gut than in your head. Your brain makes less melatonin by millions than your gut does. And, and the, we're, we're learning these intricate, super intricate details and, and how the immune deficiency of people and immune disorders are, are controlled not, not only by allergens, but by all kinds of different cell, uh, these, 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 these different cell divisions of your body and how those divisions break down. And the, the, the body is crazy how it really truly works. However, behind all of that physicality, behind all of that, all those intricate details, all of those uh, small, minute things. There is the conscience of man, how you think and how you feel. That is the heart of man, your consciousness. What, what, goes on, what goes on inside of your mind, or as the Bible would call it, what goes on inside of your heart, how you really feel. Because when I feel, if I smack my finger with a hammer, I feel that. But, but there's never been a pain in my life that I can remember. The most outstanding pain that is brought to my mind when I think of pain in my life, when I think of what in my life brought me the most pain, it was sitting on an airplane on Fort Bragg tarmac looking out the window at my family standing at the end of a hangar, my wife and my six-month-year-old daughter as I was about to fly to a destination that I could very possibly never return from because that pain was physical, but it was also emotional. I was hurting in places that I had never hurt before. And if someone was to ask me, what's the most pain you've ever experienced in your life? I would tell them it was sitting on that plane on that very cold morning. That is the most pain I've ever experienced. And no one was hurting me. Because we feel with everything how you really feel. And, and, and when it comes to God and when it comes to God's word and when it comes to the things of God, how you feel about it matters. How you feel about God matters. How, how, and how you express that matters. Your, your heart, your, the conscience of man, your, your conscience is naturally anti-Christ. Oh yeah. Now, you may like the idea of Christ. This is why a lot of the world falls into some kind of mediocre description of Christianity. It's like, yeah, I go to church and I believe in God. Now, I, I don't really practice any, any of these things. I, I, I live like I want to live. I do what I want to do. I have, 
I'm not submitted to anything. I'm not submitted to anybody. I, I, I drink when I want to drink. I fornicate when I want to fornicate. I, I watch what I want to watch. I smoke what I want to smoke. I do what I want to do. But, man, I really love Jesus. And while for some of us in the room that seems foreign to the majority of the world, that is reality. Because just like the word said, they say with their mouth they are with me, but their hearts are far from me. Yeah, and, and, and it's when you find something that will appease your heart and make you feel good, you'll, you'll go with that because your heart wants to be comfortable. Your heart doesn't want to be pushed. Your heart doesn't want to be convicted. Your heart doesn't want to be broken. We shield ourselves from any kind of pain. Any kind of pain, we shield ourselves from it. There's, there's jobs that we won't take because we fear that we will fail and we don't want that pain. There's relationships that we won't end because we know that there'll be pain there and we don't want pain. There's places that we don't go because we know there'll be pain there and we don't want pain. There's family members that we don't talk to because we know there's pain there and we don't want pain. And our hearts don't want that. And just like in, in, in the reality of life that I'm speaking of right now, the reality of the spirit is the same way. When, when, when Jesus comes in, we're like, oh, I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus says, I don't like this. I don't like that. I want this to change. I want that to change. And, and, and this isn't okay. And no, that's not okay. We're, we, we back off from it because our heart is exceedingly wicked. Yeah. That's why he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't, I don't think he was talking about heaven when he said that. I, I said this in our first lesson. I don't think that he was talking about, blessed are pure in heart, for they shall see God. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in, 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 in everything. They will see God in their situations. They will see God in their brokenness. They will see God in their pain. They will see God in their calamity. They will see God in the temporary pain of this world. He's in it because their heart is pure. I can see God in this. Man, you know, my marriage is in shambles, but I, I can see God in this. You know what? I, I lost a loved one, but, but I can see God in this. I lost my job this week, but I can see God in this. Oh, that's the pure in heart. It's the, it's, it's the heart that's always looking for God in every situation. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart because they shall see God. They see him in those things. And they're able to see him. He said that we should be careful that we should guide our heart in Proverbs 23, 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise and guide thy heart in the way that you need to be in control and not it in control. Yeah. Proverbs 28 and 26 tells us that he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He's a fool. If you trust yourself, then you're a fool. You can't, you can't trust yourself all the time. Sometimes your heart wants what you don't need. Amen? Anybody been there before? I'll raise both hands and both my feet if I could. And my heart wants it so bad, but I know that God doesn't want it for me. And, and my heart and God are in a struggle. The Bible says it like this, that the flesh will war against the spirit 
and the spirit will war against the flesh. Is what it's talking about. It's not talking about this man. It's talking about this heart, this conscience, that the spirit and my flesh don't really battle. Sometimes I wish it would. Sometimes that God would come down and fight me like he fought Jacob. Mm, oh, yeah. So I could, I could put physical hands on it. But, but, but the spiritual battle that me and you fight today is not like Jacob in the desert who fought with the angel. The fight that me and you have today is a spiritual fight where we wrestle all the time with the spirit of God in our hearts saying, no, this isn't right. That isn't right. This, don't do this. Don't go there. Don't have that. Don't, don't, don't let this happen. Don't think that way. And the flesh, the conscious, the man, the heart, the issues of the heart say, no, no, no. This is the, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way I am. This is, just, this is just who I am. And the spirit saying, you know you're wrong. It's just my personality. This is just who I am. Well, you may be right, but you're also wrong. Because God wants you to change. He wants me to change. He wants all of us to change. He wants me to change even now. Even now, he's working on me. Even now, he's pushing me. Even now, he's prodding me, and my flesh don't want to go. And anybody who tells you that it does is a liar. And then it's trying to make themselves look good. Yeah. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs 23 and 7. So, so, so what do I do, Pastor Chavis? How do I protect my heart? Where, what's the spiritual version of jogging every morning? What's the, what's the, what's the spiritual version of, of eating healthy? What's the, what's the spiritual version of going to the doctor and saying, hey, man, would you run some scans on me? Just check out my heart. What's the, what's the spiritual version of me getting a good checkup every day of my life. Yeah. We found it in our reading today, Proverbs 4. And I'll read some more that will, I'll read some more that will help us to, to tonight. But Proverbs 4 is going to begin to tell us here in verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Don't take your eyes off of them. Keep that word in front of you. And, 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 and keep them in your heart. For they are life and unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. One version said out of the heart comes all source of life. One, one translation says that you should guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Yeah, he said one, one interpretation of this word says you should protect your heart because it will determine the very course of your life. Your heart. And so, and so what is the version? How what is the spiritual getting up in the morning and, 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 and walking for 20 or 30 minutes? What is, what is the spiritual version of, of watching my diet? What is the spiritual version of keeping my heart right? The, 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 
word of God will tell us that we should attend to his words. Now listen, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from any source of Christian daily development. You need to pray and, 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 and you need to, to fast and, and there's a lot of daily devotional things that you need to do as a child of God. But can I tell you one of the most important things that you can do in your life is to study the word of God. I'm not, I didn't say read the word of God. No, 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 no. You need to study the word of God. You need to read it, read it again, write it down. You need to write down what it's speaking to you in the moment, what it spoke to you yesterday, what it's speaking to you today what it may be speaking into your tomorrow. You need to discuss it. You need to teach it. If the only time, hear me, saint of God, if the only time you read God's word is when you are sitting in this building, can I tell you, not even prophetically, just straight up tell you, your heart is in charge right now. If the only time you open God's word is when you sit in this room, your heart's running your life right now. You must want everything you see. Let me say that again. You must want everything you see. This is why you don't give a a, a five-year-old $50 cash. Anybody ever give you a five-year-old $50 cash? I have. How long did it last? Not long. Why? Because when a child who's immature has access to everything, they want everything they see. They want stuff that they wouldn't have never wanted, but there's, there's, there's money burning a hole in their pocket. And they want the peppermint, and they want the sour gum, and they want the, the Twizzlers, and they want the popcorn. and they, they want stuff that they would never even ask you for, but because they got cash, I want it. Yeah. And when you do not fill your life with the maturity of God's word, you're just like a child who has no guide. And you want everything you see. You want everything you see. You, because if you attend to the word. Let me just, so, so I've, I've read this before, but, but I'm just going to read it again. Because David will tell us. David says, O Lord, thy word, this is in Psalms, 19, Psalms 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I put your word in my conscience. Let me say it again. I put your word in my conscience. I learned your word to the point where I didn't have to think about it. It was just in my conscience. And and, and my conscience is what kept me from sinning. I filled up my heart, my conscious mind with your word and it protected me when I wanted to do wrong. The word was a buffer between you and me. Now, if you give a grown adult that has some cents, $50 cash, it may be a long time before they ever spend that money. Why? Because me and you both know we've reached a level of maturity. We've lived enough life to know if you break 100, that 100 is gone. Mm, Just keep it as 100 in your wallet, baby. Because if you ever, I don't care if you break it for a stick of gum, it just somehow crawls out of your wallet. I don't know where it goes. 
Amen and amen. But children don't know that there's a maturity level. They don't have enough life lived. They don't have enough experience. And they don't have enough responsibility to know $50, $50. And so when you have no God and you have no, nothing checking you, you want everything you see. And when you have the word of God in your heart, it helps you say, I see that. I do want that. But my Holy Ghost can't afford it. You know what? I see that. I'm taking notice of it, but my soul can't afford that. I hear this conversation. I hear him talking. Uh, the problem is, is it ain't matching up with the word that's in my head. Sounds good, but it just don't match up. And I don't want nothing to do with that because I'm spiritually mature enough to understand that's not what God wants for me. Here's what he says in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4 <clears throat> and verse 12 says this. For the word of God is quick. Fast, like a ninja. It's quick. The word of God is quick. What does that mean? It means the word of God can do a quick work in you. My words are not as quick as God's words. You could take a situation that hadn't moved in 20 years, add God's word to it, and something happened. That's why you need the word, you need to know the word good enough to pray the word. Because Jesus said this, he said, my word will not return void. That means if you take his word and you bring it back to him, it has intrinsic value to him. It can't come back and be void. But do you know the word good enough to pray it? And if you don't know the word good enough to pray it, he gave us a Bible. You can leave it open and just pray it from the book. Read it right there verbatim. Because the word is quick. Quick. But it's also powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Never been a sword made on the planet that was this sharp. And it's piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Ooh, here we go. Soul and spirit. We know the soul is forever. And the spirit here, the soul and spirit, he's obviously talking about the two, the, the two. He's not talking about physicality. Let me tell you something right now. This word can do nothing to you physically. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. You, this word can't do anything to you physically. I can't take this word and chop you with it, okay? Right? It's not for cutting people. That's why you got to be very careful that you don't try to use the word to cut people. Because it's not meant for cutting flesh. Yeah. When, when you get so fancy that, that you think that you got to defend the word of God, you'll cut people that don't need to be cut. Yeah. 
The only time a disciple tried to defend Jesus who didn't need no defending, he cut off somebody's ear. And we know Jesus didn't like it because he put the ear back on. He reattached it, Mr. Potato Head. Put it right back on, boop. Yeah, and we got to be careful that our words don't hurt people when they hear it. Yeah, speak the truth in love. He said, the word is not for flesh, but it's dividing asunder of spirit and soul. My conscious man and my soul man. The word delineates the line between what is my conscience and what is my soul. The word gets in there where nothing else can get. You know what? I don't think of myself so highly as to think I could say something to you that would be more important than what the word could say to you. No. That's why I ask you to open your Bible and not take my word for it. Because if I could ever get you to open your word and start really reading your word, studying your word, and looking for yourself in that word, and how this helps me, how this applies to me, how this saves me, how this brings me out, then you'll see what you need to see in the word because it's quick and powerful and sharp. No matter how tough you think you are, it's quick, it's powerful, and it's sharp. It'll chase you down, it'll wrap you up, and it'll cut you up. It divides the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And, here we go, Hebrews 4.12, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you see how, see, see, you, mm, I love the word of God. If, okay, I, I struggle with how to explain this, but, 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 but let me just try to explain it to you the best I can. Because I ain't never heard nobody teach what I'm about to teach, say what I'm about to say. But, 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 but this is, for me, this is revelation. Do you see how Paul, when I'm pretty sure Paul wrote Hebrews, it is a debatable authorship, okay? But I'm pretty sure that Paul wrote Hebrews. If, if I had to put all my money somewhere, I'd put it on Paul. He writes like Paul. Whoever wrote Hebrews writes like Paul, thinks like Paul, talks like Paul. Walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, perfect duck. Put it back up on the screen for me if, if you would. Just leave it up there because I'm going to see something. This verse Put it back on the screen for me. Thank you so much. This verse is talking about the word of God, right? This is one verse. We're not, changing the, we're not changing the content and we're not changing the topic of the verse throughout the verse. For the word of God, we're talking about the word of God. It's quick, it's sharp, it's powerful, it's, it pierces, it divides. It's divided spirit and soul, the joints and the marrow, meaning that it gets down to the very nitty-gritty. If you don't think the word of God is dealing with the very minute things in your life, then you're wrong. God comes down, God comes down to the very sale level. Right? Right? Here's what it says. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hold up. What we're doing is we're giving a concept, which is the word of God. We're... We're attributing to it action words. You see? 
we're, we're giving the Bible verbiage. We're putting the word of God in action. Are you seeing it through the, through, through the word? Piercing, dividing, discerning. That means that, that means that the word of God is moving. You, you can't give a, a verb, you can't give an action to something that isn't actionable. Because what I think that we miss, we, we quote it, but we miss it. We miss it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If the word was God, is God, the same was in the beginning with God, right? If, if the word is God, then, then, then what he's saying is this, this word, this book, it is more than letters and poetry and prophecy and Torah and law. But, but what this book is, it, it, it's a living, breathing element. And here's what it'll do if you ever take it and you put it in you. It will, it will pierce, it will divide, and it will discern. You see... We need prayer. Can't make it without prayer. I got plenty of Bible to prove it. We, we need to do all the things that we need to do. I got Bible to prove it. I, I believe it. But I believe one of the most important things that you can do as a child of God is to take the word of God and put it in you. But it's one of the most least things we do. It's one of the most least activities that we get involved in as children of God is learning, memorizing, praying and discerning God's word. And here's what he's trying to tell us about our, heart, about our conscious man. How many of you in this room would love help with your thought life? 17 of y'all, right. This must be for y'all then. The word of God is what will pierce, divide, and discern. It is an actionable word. This thing, this thing moves. It's working. This thing works. You, you put it in and it searches. You put it in and the word goes where it needs to go. You, you just ingest it. Oh. How can a pill that you swallow into your belly help an ache in your hand? Woo, some of y'all going to get it in a minute. Y'all, you're not with me right now. How, how, how can a pill that I put in my mouth that goes to my belly help my foot from, from stop throbbing? Because the medicine knows once you ingest me, I go to where I need to go. You see, the word is alive. It's like, a, it's like a virus or a pill or a medicine that when ingested, it goes to where it needs to go. It will pierce, it will divide, and it will discern. The word of God will highlight your motives. It will discern your thoughts. The, thought, the word of God discerns the thoughts. It listens to the thoughts and the intent of the heart. 
It is working. So how do I help my inner man? How do I help my heart? How do I deal with the issues of my heart? I got to get in my Bible. It is so simple. However, it is so life-changing. For somebody tonight, this is revelatory. Because your problem is, is you keep doing all the talking. You talk all morning, you talk all night. Your prayer life is just you talking. When you going to let God talk? So I, I, I sat in silence and I meditated. What did you meditate on? I just meditated. Hamana, 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 hamana. Now somebody told me, he said, oh, you know, Pastor Chavis, that meditation, that's witchcraft. That's, that's, that's Middle Eastern stuff. I said, you know the Bible's written in the Middle East. Meditation's biblical. Meditation is biblical. However, you do not, to do a biblical version of meditation, you do not do what the world does. The world tells you to meditate properly. You must what? Empty your mind. The Bible says this. I meditate on thy law, word, day and night. So the world says, empty your mind. The Bible says, no, put the word, meditate on the word. Put the word in your mind. The world says, just, just don't think of anything. But the Bible says, no, think of the law. Think of the law. Think of the word. Put the word in your mind and meditate on the word. Because it's the word that's going to help you. Not my word, the word. I preach for two reasons in this church. If you ever wondered why I preach, I'm, I'm going to tell you why I preach, especially to the saints of God. I preach for two things, conviction and curiosity. I don't want the word of God to convict you, but I also want my teaching to make you curious. That you'll go home and go, man, what was he? I, I never saw that before. My God, let me. If, if, if I'm ever successful, it's be, it'll be because I have a church full of people who know the word of God. And listen, we got children upstairs tonight training on Bible quizzing. We need to get behind that church. We need to put the word of God in our children's hearts. But listen, me and you, we passed Bible quizzing time. Me and you ain't in no competitions about who knows the most verses. This ain't about just, just learning verses. No, no, this is more than that. I think that when we get past a certain age, we just decide it ain't really all that important. We learned our Bible verses in Sunday school, but nowadays it ain't really all that important. But right now, if I told you that you had to pray the word of God, could you pray it? And, and right now, if I told you, when's the last time you heard from God? And you told me, I don't know, it's been a long time. I would say, well, when did you read your Bible last? You said, well, I read it this morning. Well, then you heard from God this morning. That's the last time you heard from God because he's already said enough to get you from here to there. He done prophesied enough to save your soul. He's already said enough to save your family. He's already said enough to save your spirit. He's already said enough in this word to bring you out of whatever it is you're in. There's enough in here. So if you want to know how to control your conscience, what is the spiritual value or the spiritual equivalent of running or dieting or eating a good meal 
or just watching my intake of, of saturated fats or whatever it may be. It's the word. Word is the key, church. Word is the key. Don't just read scriptures, read context. Yeah. Train up a child in the way that it should go when it's oldest that shall not depart from it. Yeah. That's not talking about the gospel. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not even talking about righteous living. Nah, I'm sorry. Go back and read that verse again. It's talking about money. See, I just blew your mind right there. Because that's the only verse you want to read, just that one verse. But if you read the verses before and you read the verses out of it, it's telling us as parents to train our children to learn how to use money. And when they're old, they won't be poor. Sorry if you thought it was about something else. But, but, but that's our problem. We don't know the word. We think we do because we heard the, the preacher say something. We think we do because, oh, my, they said that in church. Oh, my pastor said that. But you know how many people I know who are totally confused right now because they think that tongues have ceased and, and, and that there's no Holy Ghost anymore because they heard a preacher say it? They never went and read it. They never read 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. They just took it for face value. Yeah. Do you know what I'm preaching is right tonight? Do you know what, what I'm preaching is correct? Do you, do, do you care? Or do you just like me? And so you overlook my error because I have a good personality. That's called preacher religion. And a lot of people are going to go to hell because they like the preacher, didn't care what he was preaching. But you better check it and double check it. Triple check it. Look at context. Look at when it was written, how it was written, who it was written to. What was going on the time it was written. Is it for me? Somehow, some way it is because the, the word of God tells us that every scripture is good for rebuke, reproof, all of it. The whole word is good. Young people sitting here tonight from the youth group, the, the, the most valuable habit that you can learn right now is learning your word, reading your scripture. Find your most, five, find your five top famous scriptures that you can remember off the top of your head and go read that, chap, that whole chapter, the chapter before it and the chapter after it. And go, man, I did not know that this is what the Bible's talking about. Because we over here talking about some give and it shall be given. And we thought that was about money, but it ain't. It's about forgiveness and grace. It's about mercy. It ain't got nothing to do with money. I believe the principle's good, but that's not what the Bible's talking about. We like to read. You see, go pick your, learn the word. It'll help you. It'll grow you. And you know what it'll do? It'll check you. It'll check you. It'll check you when you're looking at what you're not supposed to be looking at, and you think, well, nobody knows and nobody cares. But then you, you remember when Jesus said, oh, no, 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 I'm telling you that if you even look upon a woman. And you think in your heart. I'm just looking at the menu. I'm not ordering. Jesus said, Jesus said, in my book, you already did it. That's the word of God. See, that word ain't going to let you fudge. That word ain't going to let you cheat. You will let yourself cheat. And you know what? Even I will let you cheat. But that word ain't going to let you cheat. 
not going to. You see, the word should be the litmus test. The word should be the standard. You shouldn't, you shouldn't look around the room and say, well, they, they let me get away with it, so it's, it's fine. They'll let me get away with it through a fire. Now, what you should do is look at the word and go, if the word don't let me get away with it, I need to ask God to forgive me for it. And I need to find a way to stop doing that. Because the word is right. And everybody else is wrong. I said the word is right. And everybody else is wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. The word is right. And if you find something in this word that's contrary to something that I said, Bring it to me and show me and say, hey, pastor, I don't know if this is right. And I'll either say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to change that. I'm, I'm going to change the way I preach that because you're, 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 you're exactly right. Or I'm going to say, well, let's look at this and look at that and let's pull it into context. And I do believe in that. I, believe in, I do believe in contextualizing the scripture. I do believe in that. But I also believe that if the word said it, I got to believe it. Amen. So how do I guard my heart? I'm closing. Guard your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flows life. Guard your heart, because out of it flows everything that you're ever going to do. Guard your heart, because out of it, you will become everything that flows out of it. Guard it. So how do I guard it? I build a wall of the word. I build a wall of the word around my heart. I guard my heart with the word. I put on that breastplate of righteousness. And I guard my heart with the word of God. I protect myself with the word of God. The Bible tells us that in the lineage of the, the armor of God, that the word of God is the sword. It is defensive and it is offensive. Only the word can do that. Only the word can defend and attack. That word helps me guard myself, but it also helps me take back what the enemy tried to take from me. That word helps me guard my heart because I don't want my life to be brought to shambles because of my, the desires of my heart able to run rampant, but I also don't want to spend an eternity in a devil's hell because I let myself follow my heart. Yeah. So I pick up God's word and I build a wall with every scripture. I build a wall with every new discovery. I build a wall with every candlestick and illumination by the showbread table. I build a wall. I build a wall through revelation, through illumination, through study, and through word. I build a wall. And that's how I guard my heart. I can't guard your heart for you. And you can't guard my heart for me. You got to guard your own heart with the word of God. Would you stand with me today? And as you're standing, would you turn your attention to heaven for just a moment? I want us to do this tonight. I want us to thank God for his word. God, tonight we thank you for your word. God, you put your word in us. You gave us your word. Here's what you said. You said that you long for the day that you would be able to write your word in our hearts. <laughs> That's what I want, God. I want you to write your word in my heart. But the only way that you can do that is if I get in the word because the word is alive. It's moving. It's actionable. 
It's working. It's piercing. It's dividing. It's discerning the word of God. You need the word today. Oh, God, help us. Help us fall in love again with the word of God. I thank God for the worship. We need the worship. I thank God for the prayer. We need the prayer. I thank God for all the, all the amenities of living for God. I, I love it, Lord. Thank you so much for it. But God, tonight, I pray that you would help us once again as a body of believers fall in love with the word of God, that we would be curious, God, that we would open it, that we would say, Lord, when I have a problem, I go to the word. When I'm struggling in my mind, I go to, I go to the word. When I'm struggling in my life, I go to the word because the word is alive. It is alive. It is alive. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Would you put your hands together now? Thank God. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.